Hello, and welcome to another Omtown Daily News Show. I am Mayor Watt. This is the Omtown Daily News Show. That is omtown.com. Here we go. Let's get into it. Uh, I've already selected a bunch of articles. Today got weird just now. Um, Showbot has apparently taken the day off. Um, my chat <laughs> may or may not connect to it. Uh, so we're going to try this uh, kind of like we did um, yesterday. And that is I'm going to start posting the, the articles into the chat. Hopefully they will get submitted. I don't know if it's my problem or if everybody is running into this, but I can't um, access Showbot uh, to make administrative changes. I'll get there. I'll fix it. But anyway. Um, what hometown is, is a news aggregator. It funnels it into six main, all of my news, 200 news sources, throws it into six main categories, 50 channels underneath that. Um, go and check it out over at hometown.com. Become a citizen. Um, come back, chat with me here on, uh, twitch.tv slash hometown. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, the daily news show is a channel here on, um, uh, Twitch and on hometown.com. There are 50 other channels. So you'll hear me say uh, the title of the channel that the news is aggregated into. So that way you can figure out, eh, maybe I'm more interested in this or more interested in that. Um, that said, today's show is for November 1st, 2022. I'm going to get through this one way or another. Um, yeah, things just got really weird really quick just now. Don't really want to bore you with the rest of this. But job openings hit 10.7 million despite Fed's attempt to cool the economy. But what I don't get about this <laughs> says U.S. job openings rose unexpectedly in September, suggesting the American labor market is not cooling as fast as the inflation fighters at the Federal Reserve had hoped. Uh, this is at abcnews.go.com. Um, and but it says so companies have been forced to raise wages to a, a, attract and keep staff. And the whole idea here is that now people are hopping from job to job. It becomes a gig economy, even though people need a steady stream of money to, you know, make ends meet and, and know how much money they are gonna be able to survive off of. Not everybody has the ability to just hop around looking for more money. And when you have 10.7 million jobs available, it means that there are 10.7 million people not employed at the moment. <laughs> Why? Because they're hopping around from job to job, trying to find something that doesn't pay them so little that they can't, that they have to live in a 95 square foot apartment in New York paying $1,500 a month and have to share a bathroom in a hallway. Maybe that's why there's 10.7 million jobs available, not filled. You know, they're not adding a metric ton of salaried positions or anything to the payrolls, right? I mean, there, there's hundreds of thousands, maybe. But it's not like we are clamoring to get these really high-wage jobs. Why? Because they're not out there. They're, this is 10.7 million open positions. 
Maybe it's because they're not paying enough and the CEOs of these companies are making bank. And everybody that's chomping out the, the bit, you know, supposedly to get a job, it should be just pretty damn thankful that you're getting a job. U.S. job openings rose unexpectedly in September, suggesting that the American labor market is not cooling as fast as the inflation fighters. Open jobs doesn't mean much. What do you think? This is a job. Uh, this is a, a article over at ABC News by Paul Wiseman, AP economics writer. Let's move on. I'm not going to soapbox today, there, although there might be. Want to strengthen voting rights? The ABA is seeking volunteers for a Perfecting Democracy initiative. Two ABA groups have uh, launched initiatives with the aim of strengthening election protection and the public's trust in the electoral process. That's because for the last six years, seven years, eight years, there's been a, a steady drum banging away at supposedly the electoral process is failing democracy. And no, that's not really what's happening. It's people not understanding how technology works and how bulk processing of votes works. And that trust is actually something that compassionate <laughs> social animals have to do and while it's you know what the minutia of this thought is just going to drift away um, because uh, today is just really interesting it just got really interesting so if you want to help the ABA um, and by proxy ABA journal is where this article is coming from abajournal.com Deborah Cassens Weiss is the author of it um, the Lawyers as Changemakers, Perfecting Democracy Initiative. The initiative is sponsored by the Task Force on Fair Elections and Voting Rights, part of the ABA Section of Civil Rights and Social Justice, according to an October 27th press release. Volunteers who sign up, you can follow the link from hometown over to this article, will be matched with groups already doing election work, according to Task Force leader Cynthia A. Swan and Elizabeth M. Yang. They spoke about the initiative on October, in an October 5th um, chair chat with section chair Juan R. Thomas. And Defending Democracy, in this initiative, it's sponsored by the ABA section of state and local government law. Its goals are to educate the public about the importance of election workers, to promote an understanding of the uh, average election worker is nonpartisan, to promote public trust in the electoral process, and to ensure adequate protection and a sense of security for election workers. Meanwhile, there's some other side over there. Now, I won't do it. I, I refuse. I'm not going to be, I'm going to try not to be cynical. And, um, but there's got to be somebody talking about this stuff. I mean, there are people talking about it, but there, I mean, there are people that are sitting there with guns covering up their license plate in their face, but demanding transparency and honesty and trust and verification that things are what they are, yet these people are not really trusting. Um, let me change. I'm going to change. What would be a good... 
background music to play for you all while I'm chatting things up. You know, classic rock is too much. Chill pop? Let's do that. I had music, uh, I had like a scary music for, um, I had scary music for all of Halloween, all of October, really. Let's do that. Let's, let's play some music for you all. That'll play in the background so that it isn't just my voice. Um, let me know if you can hear my voice okay. I hear my levels and everything seems fine, but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm not really hearing it. Anyway, initiative members are learning more about the vote count process, beginning with tours in Chicago and Multnomah County, Oregon. Uh, they're also planning a book tentatively titled Voices of Democracy uh, to share the voices of election administrators, poll workers, and others. Um, I, I don't know. More people need to be involved and not involved in the vitriolic, hate-spewing, conspiracy-minded, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a lot of junk false news it, and it's not fake news it's false news it's lies um, and and a lot of it is just these wingnut individuals but you know the dumpster fire of the internet um, is what gets clicks and gets views you know it, and it takes a whole lot longer to build an audience um, when you are <laughs> reasonably minded. Let's move on to the next article. Uh, this one's in the Mobile Channel. Uh, new potentially hazardous asteroid discovered. An international team of astronomers on Monday announced the discovery of a large asteroid whose orbit crosses the path of Earth, creating a small chance far in the future of a catastrophic collision. Well, most of that time, you can actually... Um, calculate that out. Pardon me while I add an article to the show bot. Um, and uh, I'll add the, this one as well. Again, pardon me. I know that this is making for some spectacular, spectacular podcast material. Well, this article here at uh, fizz.org is saying that a 1.5 kilometer wide asteroid named 22 AP7 was discovered in an area notoriously difficult to spot objects due to the glare from the sun. It was found along with two other near-Earth asteroids using the high-tech instrument on the Victor M. Blanco telescope in Chile that was originally developed to study dark matter. Uh, quote, 2022 AP7 crosses Earth's orbit, which makes it potentially hazardous asteroid, but it currently does not uh, now or any time in the future have a trajectory that will have it collide with the Earth, which is a weird statement to make, considering the previous sentence fragment says, which makes it potentially hazardous. All right. Uh, said lead... Uh, Author of the findings, astronomer Scott Shepard of the Carnegie Mellon Institution for Science. The potential threat comes from the fact that like any orbiting object, a trajectory will be slowly modified due to myriad gravitational forces or, I don't know, slamming into it with a man-made object. Um, 
Anyways, it takes five years to circle the, the sun under its current orbit, uh, which at its closest point to Earth remains several million kilometers away. So why not slam something into it and change its orbit a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, the next article is in the mobile channel as well. Antibiotic uh, resistance linked to these household products. thought this one was really interesting. Um, Dan Haves, I guess their last name is, over at the University of Toronto put this article together. And it says the study by assistant professor Hui Peng, uh, research, or Hui Peng's uh, research group in the Department of Chemistry at the uh, Faculty of Arts and Science, uh, was able to show that triclosan, a chemical often included in household items like hand soaps, toothpaste, and cleaning products to fight off bacteria, is the predominant antibiotic in Ontario sewage sludge. The findings were published in the journal Environmental Science and Technology, and the quote is, since there are so many different antibiotics in the sewage sludge, we were surprised to find the majority of antibacterial activity in the sludge could be directly linked to triclosan alone says Holly Barrett, a PhD candidate in the Pang group and lead author on the study. The research uh, was performed by investigating sewage sludge from the Ontario Sewage Treatment Plants, STPs. As the study notes, STPs are a breeding ground for antibiotic-resistant bacteria due to the diverse set of antibiotics that are found there. That's because after we rinse our household products down the drain, the antibiotic uh, ingredients in those products are transported to STPs where they accumulate. So we are the creators of the bugs, uh, super bugs that are probably going to end us. Among thousands of co-occurring chemicals in the sludge, triclosan was found to be the predominant antibacterial compound impacting E. coli. Quite intriguing, folks. Uh, but yeah, everything that we wash down the drain ends up somewhere. And um, I had a discussion earlier today where we were talking about microplastics being everywhere, in everything. Now it's even being found in blood. Which is interesting. How did microplastics end up in our blood? Let's move on to the next article. Uh, the next article is in the Word in Tech. Netflix is acquiring cozy game developer Spry Fox. Um, for Spry Fox, the acquisition won't mean any changes for now. The studies, uh, sorry, the studio's current games will remain available for download in their current forms on their current platforms. Co-founder and CEO David Ettery said in a post on Spry Fox's blog, the studio is already working on making Cozy Grove 2 and a larger non-violent MMO. Thanks to the acquisition, we can stop stressing about how our games generate profit on our games and instead focus exclusively on making them as enjoyable and fulfilling as our players or to our players. Um, there is more to this article. It's over at theverge.com. Jay Peters is the author. Pardon me one second. Um, let's see. Netflix is acquiring Spy, Spry Fox. The indie developer of cozy games like Cozy Grove and Alpha Bear, um, which I find pretty fascinating. Uh, Spry Fox will join a roster of Netflix studios that includes Helsinki based Next Games, mobile studio Boss Fight Entertainment, Oxen Free Developer, Night School, and internal studios in Finland, Finland and in Southern California. And, um, yeah, it has a wait as part of its earnings announcement this month. Netflix said its collection 
has 35 titles available for subscribers and that there are 55 more games in development. And that data indicates that most subscribers haven't tried the games yet. Yeah, I didn't even know Netflix had games. But I've never really looked. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen anything that hinted at it being, and nobody's said anything to me about Netflix having a game. Quite interesting. I'll have to take a look at it. Um, the next article is something where I said to myself, I don't know if this is cool or if this is dystopian, but the U.S. Army used uh, HIMARS to launch Halloween candy at children. So what is a HIMAR? It's a high mobility artillery rocket system. And they launched it at, uh, well, next to kids. And obviously it wasn't this high energy thing where, you know, uh, families went screaming or anything. Uh, but they have this little video. I won't even read the whole article, but it's uh, by Matthew Galt over at um, vice.com. And there's a video at that site um, that was part of a tweet from uh, U.S. Army Fort Sill um, with the statement, how else would you expect us to give children candy on Halloween? Fire mission. And so they basically fire, probably using canned air of some kind, um, to um, shoot candy out of um, <laughs> a uh, large military vehicle. Here, I'll even play it. I might as well. So poof, there it goes. And all the kids go running. Um, but I can't figure out if this is, you know, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, ah, it's engaging, blah, blah, blah. Um, or if it's just kind of borderline dystopian because uh, kids are going, hey, cool. Look, uh, candy being shot out of a military vehicle um, that normally shoots rockets to blow people up. Fort Sill is an Oklahoma base with a population of around 10,000 is home to the U.S. Army uh, Field Artillery School where soldiers go to train to use weapons like HIMAR. Um, military bases across the country tend to have their own culture. Soldiers live there with their families and celebrate uh, holidays together with their military families. Uh, to a lot of the country, the HIMARS launching candy video will look very strange, but to military families, it's just another day on base. I grew up in military bases. Um, yeah, can't say that I've ever seen that, but different times, folks. I guess I'm falling further and further into the old category. Um, the article goes on to talking about how Ukraine and other places have other military weapons, but not necessarily that they shoot candy out at kids. The next article is in the Code Foundation channel. I rare, very rarely bring this up, um, but uh, uh, Code Foundation is a channel that's dedicated to programming, engineering, uh, software, and um, basically teaching and learning how to do software development. Um, I am not one of the people that really clicks with software, but how to use Python for data science. Python is easy to learn and its syntax is relatively simple, both true. Um, basically, you just need fingers on keyboard and you will learn Python. It's a popular uh, language for data science because it's powerful and easy to use and it's really good in cybersecurity. Um, but Python is an excellent language for data analysis uh, because it includes a variety of data structures, modules, tools. Um, and there are a lot of solutions out there um, for you to learn Python. And uh, this article is by uh, 
Castilianos Campacus. Sorry there, buddy. Um, I'm ruining your name and I apologize in advance. Actually, I apologize in post, but anyway, Python is easy to learn. So there are many reasons why you should use Python for data science. Python is a, ver a very versatile language and it can be used for a wide variety of data science tasks from data pre-processing to machine learning and data visualization. I used it in um, one of my master's degrees to take audio files and cut them into their phonemes. And then I could take a text file and have an audible file created that would play anybody's spoken word in anybody else's um, voice. <laughs> it was really creepy. And people who listened to it would have no idea. Um, you would seriously, you would need like FBI, NSA level analysis to see if it was fake. If you could, we didn't have that level of tech, but uh, we couldn't tell the difference between uh, deep fake voice. And this was 15 years ago, close to 15 years ago. So Python's very easy to learn. You don't need an expert in computer. You don't need to be an expert in computer science. Nope. Um, for most places, Python is entry level. Um, once you start learning it, well, it, it's easy to get going, but very difficult uh, to master in the grand scheme of things. You will always be learning more and more what you can do with it. Um, but Python and Java are the number one and two languages in uh, most demand. Python is supported by a wide uh, range of libraries and tools, and that means that you can easily find tools and libraries you need to carry out your data science tasks, as well as anything else really in, in uh, Python. You can, you can find solutions for pretty much anything. Um, obviously, it's not as capable as something like Java um, or C, uh, C++, etc. Um, but it will definitely get you prepped so that kind of like learning one romantic language, it makes it possible for you to easily learn other romantic languages. You learn Python and you can learn other programming languages um, that are still in the same line genre, I would say class of um, programming language like Python. Um, and it helps out in other places too. So not just data science, not just cyber, but um, yeah. So data science, you can try with Python, predicting the stock market, analyzing Enron email data set because it's available. You can actually download some information and start classifying uh, emails, uh, kind of like um, e-discovery, which is an article we'll be talking about here uh, right after this one. Anyway, um, yeah, you can do quite a bit with um, Python, so give it a try. Uh, the next article is Relativity Relativity Brings Legal Technology to the Struggle for Justice. Uh, Georgia Innocence Project, among many other uh, people using, well, organizations using Relativity One to advance justice. So this article is over at AboveTheLaw.com by Joe Patrice. The wrongful conviction can, a wrongful conviction can happen in a flash, clearing the injustice takes time. The Georgia Innocence Project uh, spends its days combing through interviews, transcripts, and Brady evidence to uncover where the system failed the people. 
That's a lot of old paper files and organization deploys a lot of law student interns to get through it all. And therein lies the rub uh, with humans going through the information. You know, our eyes get tired. We get distracted. You know, we have a significant other or our cat is sick or something is going on in our life. And we tend to fail because of that kind of stuff. These distractions of life pull us away from important functions. Um, like proving someone's innocence based on some systemic uh, issue. And so it says everyone likes to focus on the dramatic courthouse step uh, press conference after the wrongful conviction gets overturned. But the truth of the matter is that the success, success stories are the product of years of difficult, painstaking investigation and legal work. I agree. And the worst possible thing is a false positive, right? Uh, depending on what side of the fence you're on, a false positive is putting an innocent person in jail. Um, so putting someone in jail who isn't responsible for an act can turn someone um, in the American justice system. It is survival of the fittest in jail. There's, at least in my interpretation, there's very little in terms of um, trying to um, <laughs> recover this person and have them engage in the uh, social contract of society. Um, it, there's, there's violence and tribalism and um, and it's, it's just a different, it's a different world. It really is. And you are stuck inside this for who knows how long it really depends. Um, but with information, like with a solution like this, with relativity one, um, it filters through e-discovery and looks for, um, the possibility of an issue relativity's Justice for Change project endeavors to provide organizations like the Georgia Innocence Project with the tools they need. Inspired by the aftermath of the George, George Floyd murder, uh, just, uh, Justice for Change assists groups working to redress police brutality, promote gender equity, um, protect tenant rights, and more. Jonathan Hill, Relativity uh, Program Manager, pardon me, for Social Impact, told me, that's the author. Um, the project has around 50 different matters with 20 organizations right now using Relativity One for free to help organize and search documents. Relativity also works uh, to pair organizations with a partner or law firm that can provide administrative and project management support. <laughs> Speaking of attorneys, I've reached out to five um, in the last week. And um, one, no, six. So six attorneys I've reached out, firms, law firms. Uh, one flat out just said after doing their due diligence uh, that they that they couldn't take it on. I assume that it is a conflict of interest. But every single one since <laughs> either doesn't understand the technology that they're working with or it fails um, or they have outright ghosted any inquiry. You know, hey, um, we're looking for a law firm to represent an action and nobody, nobody has 
sufficiently <laughs> sufficiently responded going so far as in one case um, seemingly having a technical problem and their phone going completely dark like they normally when somebody doesn't respond or something there's some type of uh, hiss from the compression of the audio uh, across the line but there was nothing but they didn't hang up it was just devoid and instead of calling me back because they were mid-sentence i don't think that they were struck by lightning um i don't i don't think that they were you know swatted or something i don't know what happened but uh no return phone call no nothing no follow-up no inquiry as to what the heck is going on um and the one today uh which is why i had to do the show late um never picked up the phone but notified me six times uh that i had an appointment um and started sending me marketing material before i even got in the books i started receiving marketing material let's move on to the next article uh, in a nutshell what the hell attorneys what the hell okay i'm available for consulting so in the word in tech is the last article for today uh, musk proposes charging eight dollars for a verified twitter account despite user backlash a couple of days ago he said that it was going to be twenty dollars um, well he propped it up 20 bucks and i think that 40 percent favorably responded to this idea of $20 and perhaps just perhaps that's why it's $8 for a verified Twitter account despite user backlash because there was a certain number of people that said yeah sure so you are feeding the beast people Elon Musk has indicated that a ver verified account on Twitter in the future could cost $8 a month despite facing a user backlash over proposals to charge for the feature. That's not what happened. He fished. Hey, are you interested in having a verified Twitter account? Uh, Dan Milmo, global technology e editor over at The Guardian, um, wrote this up at uh, theguardian.com. And it says the new owner of Twitter described the current system for allocating the check marks, which verifies a user as trustworthy as, well, BS, in a Twitter post to his more than 110 million followers on Tuesday. Twitter's current lords and peasants system for who has or doesn't have a blue check mark is BS. Power to the people. Blue for $8 a month. No, that's not power to the people. That's power to the people with eight bucks a month, you asshat. Suggesting that a tick could be given to accounts that subscribe to the platform's premium service, Blue, for $8 a month. Yeah. <laughs> that's power to the people that have money. And nothing more. You want to be verified? It's supposed to represent that you have something that hints possibly that maybe you are standing up as who you are that you have been verified you know stephen king is who they are 
Now all it takes is five bucks or eight bucks and you can be verified. All that does is verify that you're putting eight bucks in Elon Musk's pocket. The changes would affect about 400,000 blue tick accounts on Twitter. Advertising, which would be reduced for blue subscribers under the plans, accounts for 90% of Twitter's $5 billion in annual revenue. Interesting. But I don't think that's what would happen. The advertising value would change. Eight bucks removes the ads, but you're still going to be, every month, it validates that you are a live account paying eight bucks. So you may not see the ads, but you're going to be marketed to in a different way. They will make money off of your data. Rest assured, even with them saying, well, you don't get ads. Hours before, Musk justified his plans to charge for verification by tweeting that, quote, we need to pay the bills somehow, adding that it was the only way to, quote, unquote, defeat the bots and trolls. Yeah, right. Because nobody could possibly recuperate eight bucks using a bot. Musk made the comments in an exchange with uh, author Stephen King, who had tweeted that if a $20 uh, tick charge were implemented, I'm gone like Enron, which doesn't make sense to me, but how about eight? Musk responded. Yeah. All it is is verifying that you've got a credit card. How many accounts can be created? And how are you going to prove that those are... I mean, I've got a bunch of credit cards, so I could probably create a bunch of accounts, right? Even if I'm paying eight bucks a month, do you really think that that is too much for somebody to just spend? I don't know. I think there's some flawed logic here, but hey, he's the billionaire, right? So he must know. He must. Nobody else could be the CEO. Um, and make dense decisions. But with 110 million followers, I'm sure 40% would be willing to pay. Maybe not. I don't know. We shall see. Anyway, that's it for today. Uh, I am Merwat. This is the Hometown Daily News for Daily News for uh, November 1st, 2022. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye.